listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by the Envision Advisors at Your Castle Real Estate. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another podcast episode. I have Terrence Doyle in the studio today to talk about a 41-unit multifamily property in the West Highlands, right around 32nd and Federal. He has under contract. Terrence, how's it going, man? Dude, it's awesome. It's like 40 plus degrees outside. It feels amazing. And I'm happy to be back here in our newly renovated studio, ready to uh, record a great podcast. I know. I'm excited about this one because we were, you even told me about this deal and you, you started running me through it before we hit record on here. And it's even better than what we talked over text message. So give us a rundown. Like, what's the overview of the property? And I'm assuming everyone knows who Terrence, you know, give us a, a quick background about who you are, Terrence, for those few people that know who you are yet. Yeah, a little bit of a background. I went to school in Denver, Calder Christian University. I started a company in college. I've been an entrepreneur basically my whole life and started buying foreclosures at the Denver Public Trustee sale in 2008. So got really fortunate with the timing. We kind of rode that wave uh, four, five, six years, you know, to 2013, 14, flipped like five or 600 homes in that period with with three or four partners here in Denver, had a good run. And then I really decided to sink my teeth into real estate full-time in 2014 and stumbled upon a couple of duplexes. I speak fluent Spanish. My family's from South America, so I was able to put together a construction crew rather easily and then was able to kind of scale that just being able to do the same cabinets, same countertops, same tile paint, same finishes on basically every unit that I touched. And assembly line is your metaphor for it. Yeah, I was able to build an assembly line for construction. And then I realized that that was going to be quite a competitive advantage. So that was a key in 2014. And then I you know, on that first duplex, we were basically doing everything. We were leasing it. We were collecting the rents. We did all the construction. And when we went to sell that, we realized that in the multifamily, and these were just duplexes, but we realized that every $100 we raised rent was worth about $20,000. And back then, Denver, core Denver was trading about a six cap, six and a quarter. So every $100 you raised rent, you know, it was worth $20,000 on the back end. This is coming from a flipper's mindset mentality. You know, that's how I viewed it. Like, okay, I buy it for X, I put in Y, and it's worth Z, right? You're talking about the income approach. That's exactly. NOI and cap rate. That's right. And I had never, I didn't even understand that, you know, in 2014. So fast forward, you know, I basically, we had a really good success with those duplexes that we bought in 2014, 15, ended up buying a couple of fourplexes. Then we were buying eight plexes and 10 plexes. And then I started buying in Des Moines with my brother, and, you know, it's just kind of scaled from there. And so currently we own about 400 doors in Des Moines that we own and self-manage. Same strategy as when we were flipping. We're buying outdated, underutilized buildings that we come in there and kind of bring them to life. So we do new bathrooms, kitchens, and really with the emphasis on who the tenant's going to be, what the demographic of the neighborhood is. And so it's just been kind of a just brick by brick, slow progression of going from single family to small multifamily to medium-sized multifamily. And, you know, currently we're trying to get into the 100-plus multifamily space. In Denver, that's pretty difficult, so we still play in this kind of 40 to 50, 60, 70-unit space as well in specific neighborhoods. And this particular property happens to be like six blocks from another project that I've worked on for two years that we currently own in the heart of the Highlands. And so we just, uh, yeah, so it all, it all kind of came together, but that's my background really focused on multifamily 
I've done, you know, every year I'll buy one or two flips just as just based on relationships and kind of timing. But my my core focus the meaty margins. Yeah, if the margins make sense. But my core focus every day is just multifamily. How do we how do we scale? How do we look for larger buildings where we can increase NOI through manage through lowering management expense and through increasing rent through construction, through cosmetic or capex construction, just improving the property and really offering investors a great solution for yield, for immediate cash flow, distributable cash flow on a quarterly basis with some upside, and then offering our residents and communities just a safe, comfortable place to live at an affordable price. So we normally are five or $600 under a class A building within six blocks, but you're gonna have the same finishes. So that's kind of the, you know, on both sides, that's kind of the value proposition, which is really where the name of the company comes from. Value add real estate is we're trying to add value to investors, giving them upside with current cash flow yield, which is really hard to find in today's market. And then offering residents that stay in our communities, just a great, a great experience for where they're going to call home. All right. Well, let's jump into this deal because like I said, this is a 41 unit uh, in the West Highlands, which is a very popular and great area in Denver and a hard area to get properties. That's right. Yeah. Um, but you know, what's interesting is as you're telling me about how you got this deal is, you know, about, I think two months ago, you and I recorded our individual podcast and our goals for 2021. Right. And you were telling me that a couple weeks <laughs> after that, you just sat down with a hand, like what half a dozen right. of the, the, you know, brokers and relationships you have, like the top relationships you have right. and said, Hey, here are my goals. Here's my buy box. I'm looking to scale up. Tell us about that conversation because that's what yeah. led to this deal. That's right. Yeah. And it just goes back to fundamentals, you know, coming from a sports background. I think a lot of this stuff, you know, that you see people talking about and doing, you know, it boils down to like they did one or two things really well on a fundamental level. And so starting two or three years ago, you know, every year at the end of the year, December, I'll look back on the year previous, kind of see what we did well and put together goals for the next year. And, you know, I went through this process in December, you know, we went up to the mountains, you were talking about your company goals, we went over our company goals. And the big thing for me was it's about the same amount of energy to do a 10 unit, 20 unit, or a 40 unit. So naturally, my goal in 2021 was to do some larger projects. We have the construction, we have the property management, we've got the capital relationships. So if you're going to spend the same kind of energy, you might as well do, do some larger projects and add a zero, as I like to say. So I sat down with the top four or five maybe six guys that I do deals with in Denver and basically showed them our buy box for 2021, which basically just was what our investors told us they were looking for. When you and, say buy box, like what, what exactly do you mean? Like you sat down and gave them a piece of paper? Like, yeah, I what, did. What I did printed it out. Yeah, I, I printed it out. That's right. Yeah. So I printed it. So I went through with, with Ben, you know, our CFO, and we basically went over like, what does a deal look like for us in 2021? You know, if we're, our average purchase price in 2020 was 5 million, and we were trying to take that to 10 million in 2021. So it basically went through and said, okay, we need to be able to add a minimum of 20% to rents after construction. So that's a deal for us. If current rents are a thousand, and if we can go in there and do new cabinets, paint and flooring for 6,000, and we can get rents to 1,200, that's a that's something that checks the box for us. That's a deal parameter for us. Okay. So we were looking at, you know, we need to be able to increase rents a minimum of 20%. We need to be able to have immediate cash on cash of a minimum of 6%. So when we buy the property, we want to be able to have distributable cash flow of at least 6%. Why is that? Right is that now. Just downside conservative risk? Well, that and, you know, me personally, like if I have money sitting in the bank, 
it's earning 0.01%. You know, back in the day, you know, CDs used to pay you 2%, 3%. You know, the current treasury is at like less than 1% or something. CDs are paying you less than 1%. Money markets are paying you way less than 1%. So what I think there's a problem, what, one of the problems in the market that we are going to solve is that there's no, there's a very difficult to find yield. You know, due to the pandemic last year, even some of the top publicly traded companies, you know, terminated their, their dividend. You know, I think, uh, you know, MGM stopped their dividend, Wynn stopped their, I mean, a bunch of companies aren't even paying a dividend that historically have paid dividends. So then there's a hole in the market for yield for like mailbox money, right. Of, of this thing. So, so that's one of the things that our investors, you know, that have created a lot of liquidity for themselves. And now they're like, what do I do with it? You know, there's reports that have come out over the last two, three months that there's more cash. There's so much liquidity in the market based on, you know, what our government has done due to the pandemic and in response to it, that there's so much liquidity in the market. You know, the stock market went bananas the last eight months. So there's a ton of, there's a ton of liquidity. People have money, but they don't have cash flow. Mm-hmm. They don't have a something that's going to produce yield. And so that's one of the things that our focus is on this year is we want to be able to produce not only current yield, but upside. That's something I want. That's something that our investors want. And so when I sat down with brokers, that was the, key, the emphasis is that even though in the past I have bought buildings that we would take to zero, I've done it in Des Moines, done it in Denver, done it a hundred times. We buy a building, it's completely dilapidated, just like Tennyson, you know, the deal that we did together, you know, yep. it's like, I've done that so many times and it's great, but for the current environment, you know, when we're trying to produce yield, that's not going to be the play for us. That's not where we're going to get yield, right? Because you take the property to zero. So there's no income. And you're talking zero vacancy and zero rental income when you say take zero. Exactly. Yeah, there's no, exactly. There's no rental income because there's no tenants because the property's in such bad condition, no one's going to live there. So then you have to help everyone find a new place to live, renovate from the ground up and redo every square inch of the place. So now what we're looking for is more like a C, C property and B locations and locations that are core Denver neighborhoods that we know really well, that we know when we come in there and give it a facelift, we're going to be able to rent to really good tenants, good residents. They're going to want to live there. They're going to pay us on time. They, you know, have careers and, you know, that kind of thing. So that's how you get yield. And, and so we're buying. So the goal, when I sat down with the brokers was those deals are great when I, you know, we buy a building that's completely outdated, it's half vacant, and we we come in there, we buy it for $10, we put $4 in and we sell it for 20. Those were great deals. We, you know, doubled our money and we're in and out, but it doesn't create and solve for the problem that people are looking for, which is, you know, current cash flow, mailbox money, right? And so when I sat down with them, I said, look, those were great deals, but going forward, I don't really want to look at that. So that's a big, that was kind of a big mindset change for me and for the brokers, because normally they've said, hey, even if a property has a 0% cap, current cap rate, Terrence would buy it if he can build it to a seven. Mm -hmm. You know, if after construction and stabilization, he can get to a seven, that's a deal he would do. You know, so that was a really big mindset shift, but something that based on the market and based on talking to our, our capital partners was like a really big emphasis moving forward, that we see that in the economy, the next maybe 12, 24, 36 months, that yield is going to be really hard to find. So if we can create that, we're going to have strong demand. So that was a really big emphasis. And, and, and so that was the punchline for me is I want to buy buildings that are outdated. There is value add. However, it needs to be a building that's already stabilized so that it needs to have a current occupancy of over 90%. And we can still... Is that a hard and fast rule is 90%? No, we would do something a little bit below that, but that was kind of the number that we started with, okay. was that 
it needs to be stabilized. It needs to have current cash flow, distributable cash flow. And we need to be able to show that through through lowering management expense. So some of these buildings that we're looking at have inflated expenses either due to really high maintenance, due to high management uh, you know, rates, you know, because every management company has different rates. So because we have so many doors in Denver, we're able to lower that expense. Because we have in-house maintenance, we're able to lower that expense. Because we have in-house leasing, we're able to lower that. So that's one of the things where we can add value. And then the other thing is through what we do really well, which is construction. So if a building has outdated cabinets or doesn't have washers and dryers or doesn't have a dishwasher or has carpet that smells really bad and needs to be replaced with plank flooring, things like that of that nature. Or if it has, you know, popcorn ceiling and walls, you know, there's all these things in core Denver with these buildings built in the 60s and 70s that tenants, if that problem is solved, are willing to pay more. And so those are, though that's still our core. So we're still looking to add value through construction and management. The difference really was and the message in december was we need to have stabilized buildings that we can just turn slowly so we can continue to collect rent from the residents that are there and then maybe we can renovate two or three apartments at a time and then replace with market tenants Mm -hmm. and then slowly the noi is growing you know over time so a slower turn versus clearing the entire building was was basically the message now one of the things that you and i talked about Two months ago was that you were you were scaling up did you give right. them like a a floor for unit size or or dollar size or do you just kind of say hey i, I want to scale up more in this bigger stuff like we're we're ready for that yeah my message was i want to do 70 units and bigger okay so the and the and the reason why this building is 40 units is because i own 25 units down the street so basically it got us to 65 66 67 units i mean you know? your, your other building is Six blocks? Six, said? seven blocks away. Yeah, you can walk there. And as, as a reminder, because I was actually looking yeah. through this yesterday, so that property, we fe- uh, we actually walked it on the Bigger Pockets Real Estate Ride Along Show. That's right. I don't think the exact, I think the title says 23 unit apartment value right. out in Denver. Something along those lines. Yeah. You go to the Real Estate Ride Along Show, it's the 23 unit apartment building. That's the other one you own. And that's right. Or, yeah, it's on YouTube. We went through, walked it. You can see the renovations see the we did. Too. You can see the numbers. Yeah. And then there's a duplex next to it that we own. And then we put a parking lot in the back. So that's why it's, that's 25 units. We just toured the 23 on YouTube, but you can get a really good feel for kind of the renovation that we did there and the renovation we're going to do in this project. And so because we own that building, the economies of scale made sense for us to do this 40 unit. But when I met with the brokers, the goal was 70 units or more and 70 units in my mind is we can have full-time maintenance, full-time leasing. So it just creates economies of scale. So Oh, that's the threshold yeah, That's for the threshold for okay. me. Yeah, people have different, some people would say 100, some people would say yeah. 80. For me, it's 70. That makes sense for our business model. And that was the, that was basically the overview. So I showed them a spreadsheet. I showed them the numbers, showed them the cash on cash, showed them the, you know, the And what was the units. response that you met with, uh, met all these guys? You know, it was the same thing when I was going from flipping houses to meeting with apartment brokers that were doing 10, 15, 20 unit apartment building. They were like, oh, it's going to be really hard. Denver's, it's really tight above 70. There's a lot of comedy, you know, it was, it's not like they were all like, man, that's a great move, you know, because it makes their job harder and make, you know, it's, it's more difficult whenever you're trying to do something new, there's going to be challenges. So it wasn't like I was embraced with open arms, (laughs) you know, it wasn't, I definitely didn't get cookies uh, in response to that. But I think I was just very clear that, Hey, my track record is I create some goals and I create a buy box and then I go hit it and I'm either going to do it with you or I'm going to do it with someone else. So I've got the capital. I've got the infrastructure. If you want to do deals with us this year, this is what we're looking for. And, you know, some people haven't called me since then and other brokers have been calling me every week, you know, so there's some brokers that are like, Hey, 
he's a real buyer. We can go. We're going to work a little extra hard to go find this. So that was, uh, you know, I also met with one or two new brokers that I'd been talking to for the last year and that deal in a little bit higher space that deal, you know, in the 10 to $40 million space in Denver. And, and that was good. And, you know, I've done that kind of that reiteration of introducing myself and having to prove myself and, and those kind of things. But I think, you know, the, for the viewers listening, I think the, one of the things to realize is that whenever you're trying to do something new, it's not, it's going to be difficult. There's going to be some challenges, some hurdles to get over. And you just have to like embrace that and realize that's going to come along with the, with the journey and the process of trying to grow a business, you know, which is ultimately what I'm, what I'm trying to do is I, you know, I feel like we have a really good handle on these smaller buildings and we've had a great track record there. And now we're trying to grow to become more really ultimately just more efficient. You know, you, when you have larger buildings, it's just so much easier to collect rent, to handle maintenance, to handle leasing. And so it just makes sense, but I had to prove it on the smaller level in order to grow. And, and, uh, and yeah, I expect this year, you know, maybe we may not do as many deals as we've done in the past, but I think long-term it'll be a really beneficial process for us to go through and, and we'll, we'll end up being just better for it. So. And this deal came from one of those conversations. Absolutely, yeah. Six weeks ago, eight weeks ago. Yeah, so right? I met I mean, with this particular broker maybe like the third week of December, right before New Year's, okay. after Christmas. So yeah, after Christmas, like I mean, so third or fourth five week. weeks ago. Five weeks ago. And then okay. literally my phone rang from him, and it was actually on a weekend. And I believe I was out of town. Lots of odds for the... Uh... Yeah, he called me on a weekend and it might have been the first weekend of January and basically said, look, we, uh, this property was under contract and the buyer was a 10 in a 1031 exchange. The seller was one of their top clients that they've done a bunch of business with. And he said, look, the seller doesn't want to go to market, but if we go to market, we're gonna go to market well above what this current buyer is under contract for. And he'll, the, the current buyer will assign it to you, but you have to make a decision basically in like 24 hours. And so pause right there because I own the building and because of the relationships I have built, he knew that I owned the building six, seven blocks away. So I knew the area. We had just leased up 23 units. So I knew what the market was for leases. We had just finished the construction, which was a really long construction process. So I understood what the expenses were going to be per unit. And I knew exactly the scope of work that I wanted to do because I wanted to basically just like mirror the finishes that I'd done there. So I knew, you know, I had a really good comp. So that allowed me to be able to make a decision really quickly. And I think literally by like Monday at 2 p.m., he called me at Saturday, maybe in the afternoon. By Monday, we were under contract or we had, you know, uh, the current buyer had assigned it to us and we were, we were, uh, we were there. And then we did a walkthrough. I didn't even get a full inspection. We did a walkthrough. How many units did, I, did you actually see during COVID? Two. I saw two units. There was two vacancies. There was two vacancies. And basically what I found was that the roof was in pretty bad shape and there were some other deferred maintenance items. And so I was able to get the price to $8 million. I basically said, I'll buy this thing at $8 million. I'll waive the rest of the contingencies and I'll close in 30 days. Uh, it was maybe a little bit more than that. It was maybe 35 days or something like that. But I'll close really quickly. That's a quick close. Yeah. If if they'll come to 8 million. Cause I, that basically gave me the buffer. And I knew that if this thing went to market, it was going to go maybe closer to 8.3, 8.4. It just depends on, you know, how many people are in 1031s and how aggressive people are going to get, but it was definitely going to go for well above where we were. And so, you know, the, the fundamentals of it were just the communication of the buy box of people knowing that we own buildings within that neighborhood allowed us to be able to make a decision 
quickly so that we could tie this up and it did not hit the market. And so I, you know, super excited about this just because we know that location. And then fortuitously enough, we were parallel to this. We were doing an appraisal on the property we own down the street on Wyandotte. And the appraisal happened to come back before our earnest money went hard. And the appraisal came in at basically two hundred over $270,000 a door. And we were under contract at one ninety five. So then I had you know even more validation and more data to say, hey, you're in at a really good number. This is how banks are underwriting this. And you know we're going to be, this is going to be a great project. So yeah, it's been, it went really quickly. And that was due. And the only reason I was able to move that quickly was because of those, those factors. Now, if you did not have uh, Wyandotte, the comp down there, would you have moved that quickly? Or no. Do you know? No, I wouldn't have been that able to move that quickly. That gave you the comp and say, you know what? Yeah. Like, I can just, I can make use all these rules, rules of thumb and just pull the trigger because, like, I know all this other stuff. Like, just That's right. Sense. Yeah. Okay. I would not, I, you know, because I basically waived, an, I waived appraisal and inspection objection, which normally I never do. How, uh, and so I how went hard on a hundred thousand dollars. I went hard on a hundred thousand in basically like seven days. Okay. And the only reason wow. I've never, and I would never do that, uh, with my, with my own personal capital, unless I had the, this data. So having, so having the reps and having the experience in that neighborhood, knowing how appraisers were going to view that, knowing how banks viewed it, you know, we were able to get a really great bank, uh, refinance term sheet, you know, on that building. So all those data points gave me the confidence to say, this is something I can, I can do and move forward and feel really good about. I, you know, I would never do that unless I had the, those data points. All right. So you got that, you're in a contract and what you should probably be one or two weeks from closing. Yeah, exactly. From two weeks from closing. Right yeah, okay. that's right. Yeah. So what's the high level business plan on here? Obviously this is a value add place. Yeah. You're buying around $8 million. Um, what's the basic yeah. business plan? So we're going to go in there. We're going to do a new roof new windows. So basically exactly. So if people go to YouTube, they can see what we did at Wyandotte, that 23 unit. We're going to do new windows. We're going to paint the exterior. We're probably going to do a mural. And the mural we did on the Wyandotte building, we called it the lighthouse. And basically everything was just about, you know, that was on the back being a light. Building, yeah, the, okay. that's right. And so we're going to do something similar. I think the message is going to be something about unity and love on this building, just because of the times, you know, we're living in crazy times. We really want to send that message to people, something positive. <laughs> uh, we need more positivity and, and we need more love. So we're going to do, we met with our, this, uh, the muralist that's going to come in. We're going to paint the exterior. We're going to do some really cool features to the entrance. On this building, the electrical panels are already updated. So we don't have to touch it electrical. Because that was a main problem. That was a main issue. Last, yeah, these are yeah. already 70 amps, so it supports everything. Has a uh, dishwasher, everything. We're going to probably take down half of a wall in the kitchen to open it up. So we're going to do a little bit of demo, and then the rest of it's just going to be scrape the popcorn. In the so Half the units have popcorn ceilings, half don't. So we're going to scrape the popcorn mm -hmm. in the units that do. We're going to remove all the carpet, go down with the same plank flooring that we did at Wyandotte, which looks really good. It's kind of an industrial look. We're going to do new cabinets, new kitchen cabinets, new, the same exact countertops as black leather, kind of looks industrial. We're going to do black light fixtures, black plumbing fixtures. We are going to do new tile in the bathrooms. So kind of the same thing, industrial, 12 by 24, kind of the same, same standard stuff we've been doing. And then paint all the walls, paint the hallways. And then in the back, we're going to add like a pergola, barbecue area. They're in the Behind the building, there's maybe like 
maybe like a thousand square feet of space just gonna, for like common common area. common area yeah and it actually overlooks the city it's kind of cool because it sits up on a hill so mm. so we're going to do that i think that's going to be a really great amenity we're going to improve the laundry room like we did at wyandotte improve the storage units you know we're going to do just all the rest of but we think the budget's going to be around eight hundred thousand dollars for that and we have a really good comp obviously because we just did it these units happen to be a hundred square foot larger which i think is going to be awesome for the residents yeah, yeah it's, it's never bad to have a bigger apartment yeah, a larger bill yeah, so you're at like twenty thousand door roughly then yeah we'll spend around twenty thousand a door okay and yeah. that's and that's when you say that's for everything right? everything that's for roof the back your windows plus, the, the remodel everything yeah that does not seem that expensive to me and that's probably a lot just due to your construction background because right? that's one of your yeah, your secret powers. That's one of the word. yeah secret powers. That's just, you know it's just something that we do really well because we have the same the same guys that installed the flooring installed this flooring, same guys that did the paint, and so that just speaks to kind of the business we've built you know over time. Obviously, we didn't start that way, but seven years later, you know we have those kind of relationships and we have these guys that just continually do the similar finishes. And if this were in a different zip code, we wouldn't do the exact same thing. But because it's six blocks away, it's really easy to just rinse and repeat. So that's what we're going to do. So we're going to buy it for $8 million, put $800,000 in. All the while we're doing renovation, we're going to continue to collect rent. So the goal is... And so you have two, three, four vacancies that's at right. time? The goal is to have five vacancies at a time that we're renovating. And we'll do those in four weeks. So we can get in and out in four weeks, and then we can be leasing up. And so, you know, the most so we should like ever eight, have... Eight-week turnaround time from construction Yeah, hopefully less. I'm hoping that we're going to have one show unit, and we should be signing leases even before the construction is finished on a unit the goal is to never have more than 10 vacancies at a time. So even if you have five under construction and five that you're leasing, that should be the max. Okay. And I'm, I'm hoping that our leasing team and we've got a great leasing team and I really love, you know, how we've built that out and, and how they work. So the goal would be that we would have less than 10 vacancies. So we're gonna have at least 30, 30 residents always paying rent that, that gives us the cash flow, And at the same time gives us the upside of, now, the, of the market tenants. <clears throat> So like the the contract process, obviously like your your earnest money went hard early on, which means hey, if you cancel, you're giving them a hundred thousand dollars. Adios. Um, the rest of the process, like, did you actually do a full inspection on this place, or you just hey, you're buying as is, and you'll deal with it once you close? They sent me the inspection report that the previous buyer had. We did a sewer scope, and then I got on the roof. Everything else was pretty evident because I could see the electrical panels. I it was built in the it was built in 1964, and the our building was built in 1963, so we knew the kind of build. We knew it had classic cinder block, brick. classic brick, cinder block foundation. Um, so yeah, so there was yeah. nothing, no surprises there. Now, what about yeah. financing? Because yeah. I mean, like, like, how's that break down from like capital that you're bringing or you're raising, and also just like you know the bank financing? Was like, what's that look like? We had to go to someone. We had to price. go to, to a bank that we really knew was going to help us close on time because we had a short window. So we went to First Bank. So it's just a local bank that I have a relationship with. I've closed hundreds of deals with them, and basically just showed up. And they had financed Wyandotte, so they knew that we could do it. And basically said, "Were they doing the refi too?" They're not doing the refi. Okay. We're doing that with someone else. Yeah, another bank got pretty aggressive on the refinance terms, so we went with them. But um, so that was that was uh. That was, you know, I had to go to somebody that I knew was going to close. So even though there was other banks that were willing to offer more aggressive terms in terms of rate and terms, so maybe a little bit lower interest rate and better terms on the loan, I had to go with someone that these guys are going to close. They're local. They know our process yeah. and they gave me their word. They're going to close. And who cares about an eighth of a point? Just closing. The I property, need to close right? on time. Yeah. So we actually on this loan, we got it at 4% fixed for 30 months. So 30 okay. months is going to be plenty of time. That's almost like 
one and a half units a month or something like that. What's we the LTV on there? We got 75% of purchase. So we're going to bring the equity for the construction. So okay. we're going to raise just under $3 million for the downstroke and the construction. Okay. And then all, all the while, we're going to have, because it's interest only, it allows us to even fund some of the construction from from the uh, rents that we collect. So now, we're not going to depend on that solely, but we are going to be able to collect rents and it's going to be far above what the mortgage is. So let me, let me repeat that to make sure I got this. So they're giving you a 4% interest only loan for 30 months or two and a half years. You're bringing down 25% down payment and then you're also funding all of the construction That's right. costs. And then when this is over in what, 15 months or so, you're going to refi? We're either going to sell it. We're going to we're going to either sell or refi. You know, it could take 24 months. I mean, I typically this is kind of goes to our new model. Typically, in the past, we do it really fast. Yeah. But now we're trying to have cash flow, so we want to continue to keep occupancy as high as we can and still be collecting rents. Mm. So it could take a little bit longer. We could it could take 16, 18 months, and we hope you know. And, and what have you modeled? We modeled that we would either sell or we modeled that we would sell or refinance at month like 26. Okay, so, just so over pretty conservative years. then. Well, yeah, we think that we can get it stabilized inside of two years, no problem. And then we're going to see how the market is. If debt's still really cheap and the market's growing and, you know, the pandemic has eased and people feel more comfortable and, you know, the job, I think a really big thing for the entire country and specifically Denver is just if unemployment is down, people are working again and everyone's making money and, you know, and, and the rent collection is high and delinquency is really low, then we think that we're going to have a great path to an exit inside of three years. If not... We can refinance on an agency loan. They'll give us a 30-year AM. We're going to get really cheap debt. And at that point, it's going to be stabilized. And we're going to be able to clip coupons. We think once stabilized, we're going to be between 9 and 10% cash on cash. Wow. So, so with, I mean, bo- both doors are very great doors to right. walk through. We can either sell it and people can make you know, a great multiple on their money. Or we're going to have that option of cash the, you know, the distributable cash flow once it's stabilized. And that should be north of 9%. Okay. So... Like what? What type of guarantee do you get from First Bank? Because I mean, I, I've done deals with First Bank, obviously right. smaller than this one, uh, but they have their process, right? Um, and they have to go through the loan committee and all that. Like, what made you feel certain that they would close on time, or they give you any guarantees? Like, hey, if we don't close on time, we'll give you X, Y, Z, which I don't imagine bank. Yeah, banks you. never going to you know, give you me that a guarantee, guarantee, right? It was just a relationship. Okay. You know, it was just saying, hey guys, I have to really move quick. If you can't do it, just let me know. But I really need. To. And so they rushed the appraisal. You know, I think they have some relate vendor relationships where they can rush appraisal. They rush the environmental, and they basically said, "Look, we're gonna get this done in you a really short phase amount of time." One or phase we're, two? we're doing a phase one. Okay. Yeah, and that's just for our investors to make sure we know what's under. The, you know, just to check the box to make sure we're being thorough with our due diligence. But no, I mean, there's no guarantees. But First Bank, they just said, "Look, we understand you're under the gun. We want to earn your business. We've had a g- good relationship. We want to continue to keep you as a client." So we're going to do everything we can to do that. And they have a box for that, that they're like, if someone yep. is in need to move quickly, they can do that. So, yeah, I feel good. I mean, you know, the appraisal was ordered, you know, I think that same day they've ordered the other tests that we need. And, you know, we're going through, going through that process with them and, you know, we're in constant communication and I think we're on schedule there. All right. So, I mean, overall, this sounds like it's a great deal. I mean, you have to move fast, right. but your model, your experience, plus your comp, you know, half a mile down the street. That's right. All the stars align for you. Basically, That's right. Is what it sounds like. Yeah. So from this, you know, deal, which you're what two weeks away from closing on. Any other speed bumps or topics you want to touch on? Well, one of the other things that we did. Okay, so two things that I think are important for people that are looking to do, you know, more deals and scale and want to get into multifamily is, you know, one of the things I hear is, 
well, there's no deal, so I don't even look at anything, or why do I, you know, there's nothing, to, there's, no, there's nothing that fits my box. You know, I went and toured with some other brokers in the same neighborhood, other deals, while I was under contract in this, because I wanted to know the market. And so while touring, I was able to get more data points to see what what the market was for properties that were renovated or unrenovated. And one of the buildings that I toured was a 17 unit, two blocks from Wyandotte, outdated, a little bit larger units. And that went under contract. Uh, they signed the listing agreement. It never went to market. It went, it went under contract literally like 36 hours after they signed the listing agreement. They signed the listing agreement on like a, a Friday at 8 p.m. with the seller. And by Monday, at like 8 a.m., they had had multiple offers, and I toured it on wow. Saturday. Yeah, it was something like that. So maybe it was like 50 hours, but regardless, it went really fast. I toured it on Saturday with a broker that I'm really close with, and I could not believe how disgusting these units were. I mean, it literally had like dry paint, like that it had dried, like, you know, like it was just like dripping down, and it was disgusting. I mean, it had plaster everywhere, popcorn ceilings, um, yellow walls. It was the the bathtubs were you know brown. I mean, it was like as bad as you can get for that neighborhood. I mean, it's bad. It hadn't it has not been touched in thirty years, and it went under contract at two forty one a door, two forty one a door. What are you under contract for? At one ninety five, and this is out. To, and I think I feel like ours is in much better living condition right now. And so you well, know, rents comparable, like in that, and from the uh, their rents, uh, their rents might have been a little bit higher because their the units were a little bit larger. But not much, maybe like fifty dollars more. So you know what they had well, maybe a, a little bit better view. They were you. sitting on a lower street that had maybe a little bit better view, but nothing like drastic. You know, you're talking a difference of six blocks, so nothing can change that much. But I just think the you know the the action item for viewers is that it never hurts to tour properties, especially if you own something in the area or you're looking at something in the area. Tour as many properties as you can, even if. Because when he told me the price, he was like, hey, we're going to go out at this number, you know, maybe 4.8 or 4.9 for 17 units. I was like, geez, dude, that's insane. And I knew I could never touch that, but it never hurts to just go walk it and see it. So you have another data point to compare what you're looking at or what you own. And then the next thing that we did was we just met with the current property manager to go over what they thought about the current tenants, what they thought about rents, what the, you know, how they they were doing maintenance. Well, they knew about Wyandotte and they basically said, look, we can never get the rent you're getting. And so my proposal to them was, and they're one of the top property management companies in the city, was why don't you let us do the maintenance, let us do the leasing, but I love how you guys do the reporting, the accounting, the rent Mm -hmm. collection, and I love just your brand. And it was my first, it's going to be my first deal with them. So it'll be really interesting to see how we work together. But they kind of knew what we were doing. They had seen what we had done at Wyandotte and they basically said, look, maybe you can show us how you're doing these things. Uh, you know, on the leasing side. And, and yeah, we, we were able to strike, I think, a really fair compromise of what they're good at and what we're good at. And, you know, I think we're going to learn some things from them. And, you know, hopefully we'll be able to be a great client for them. But I think the key was just sitting down with them and understanding what are the tenants? What issues do you see? How is, you know, how is maintenance currently ran? How do you guys feel about us leasing? Just having a, a conversation because not every property manager is going to be okay working with the way we do. And thankfully they were. So they were flexible. To, hey, they were we'll flexible this, on that. We'll yeah. that and- because they knew that, I think they knew that they weren't going to be able to get those leases. And I think they wanted to see how we could, how we were doing it. And, you know, there's some nuances and some things we do, but ultimately it's, it really just comes down to, they're trying to service 4,000 units and they have, 
you know, hundreds of landlords and owners that they have to please. And so they're not able to spend the time on the leasing like we are. And and that's basically what you find is that if you can do it yourself, you're going to be able to do probably, I'd say 10 to 15% better than a, a property manager that has to do all these other things and has to, you know, they have so many other boxes they have to check. They don't have the time and the bandwidth to spend the extra time to create videos or create, create extra social media or to, you know, go to that extra mile that's going to help us get that extra 10%. And in my world, the extra 10% on the lease is what makes this, you know, what makes, what helps us stand out from our competition and creates disproportionate returns for my, you know, myself and my partners. Mm-hmm. So that's a big deal for me. Uh, that we always do that, you know, and the same thing on the maintenance side is that we're able to lower that expense because our guys that touch the plumbing, they're going to come back either it's under warranty or they're going to do it cheaper than what just any plumber that, you know, one of their vendors would do it for. So, you know, uh, that was a really good, interesting conversation. It was really important to make sure that I was upfront about our expectation. They were upfront about the way that they wanted us to handle leasing and, you know, making sure that we're protecting them, right? Because there's a lot of liability when you're leasing and showing units and you're not the property manager on record, right? We're just going to be leasing them and we're the owner. And so there's some things that we had to discuss there, but overall it went great and I'm super excited about it. I think this is going to be a phenomenal project. And I really love that we're hitting this just as kind of the vaccines rolling out and things are starting to feels like it coming off the bottom with unemployment and some other negative metrics. And so, you know, I'm, I love that we know the area and it's just one of those things, just like the hard work of just being consistent and communicating and having the fundamentals dialed in of, of being able to clearly articulate what we're looking for. And then once you see it, being able to move quickly, all the things that we always talk about, right? Of You know, if you're going to meet with people, you have to be pre-approved, you have to be ready to move and you have to tell them what you're looking for so that they can hit it. And so just the, you know, being able to execute on that, obviously I love, I love seeing that come together. Let, let, yeah. Let's rewind that because it's always a good thing when we do these do these interviews, Terrence, is to talk about like key takeaways. Because you know people can sit and they're like, "Oh my gosh, what Terrence is doing here! It's just you know like it's amazing. I can never do that." Right. But then you always stick to the fundamentals. Right. And you remember that last couple sentences really quickly that hey, you you meet with people. Right. You come prepared. You come with a a one page action plan that's right. very specific. Hey, these are my must haves. These are my my niceties, and this is what I can do. Mm-hmm. Like you bring me this, then you execute as well. So, like, how can people replicate what you're doing? Like, what advice do you have for people listening to what you're doing now to maybe where you were, you know, ten years yeah. ago? Like, like, what advice can you give people help help them grow and scale like you have? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it's a phenomenal question. It's really the most important question of this whole episode. Is that you know, even if you're looking for a single family flip or you're looking for a house hack or a house with an ADU, is you have to sit down spend the time, which is difficult and say, what do I, what am I looking for? What is based on my financial situation and where I'm trying to go? What is realistic and what should I, what should I put down on paper for this year? Right? So whatever that is, I'm looking for a flip and these zip codes that I can make $20,000 on whatever the, whatever those things are that you're looking, or I'm looking for an ADU that I can make $200 a month net cash flow. whatever it is that you think you want, you have to write it down and then you meet with as many people as you can that in and then that space. And naturally the higher dollar amount and unit count you go, there's fewer people to meet with, you know, just naturally there's only maybe six or seven qualified people that sell apartment buildings over hundred units in Denver. So there's not that many people to meet with, but there's hundreds of people that sell flips or ADUs. So you just, you have to clearly identify what you're looking for. You have to 
do the work and make sure you have the capital, either you personally or partner with someone that does, right? So you have to have that nailed down before you meet with anybody. And then you spend the time meeting with people, clearly articulating that, and then following up. And the last part is when they send you a deal that looks interesting, you have to take action, either through an email of saying, hey, I can't do this in this time frame, or hey, let's go look at this, and or hey, I'm ready to make an offer, but you have to take action. Otherwise- And you have to take quick action. Don't don't yeah, spend yeah. three days reply the email. Don't yeah. You have to take immediate action. Don't ignore sure. it because yeah. if if you do, people stop studying. Someone things. else is going to move faster than you. Yeah. Right. And with the market we're in, you know, in Denver, regardless of any asset class, you have to move quickly when someone sends you something, especially off market, because it's so competitive. There's there's an insane amount of liquidity out there. There's so many people looking for probably the same thing you're looking for. Everybody's talking about Denver. Everybody's talking about cash flow. Everybody's talking about a house hack. You know, everybody's talking about these you know, kind of like sexy, trendy terms. And so if you're looking for the same thing, you have to separate yourself. And that is through the fundamentals. And you have to perfect that. And you have to move. When someone sends you something that fits your box or even looks close, you have to communicate and act quickly. Otherwise, you're going to be put at the bottom of the list. And I think that's the, you know, that's the message and the punchline to the whole thing is that regardless of what stage of your investing career you're at, you have to do those same, you know, you have to go through those same steps. I've had to do it my entire career. You know, even though I've, you know, went from flipping to, you know, 10 unit apartment buildings, 20 unit, 40, 100, it's been the same iteration uh, every single, every single time, you know, and every year of here's what I. So can I distill that down to like, no matter where you're at, whether you're starting out or scaling up to the next evolution of your business right. or investing career, that no matter what, you're going to have to go through kind of the same song and dance, right. the same process, prove yourself, network, do the same thing, but follow that formula, stick with it because results will follow. It'll right? follow. Yeah. No. And I, and I think that, you know, I can sometimes because I've been doing it for so long and I have built a lot of re great relationships that I can make it look faster and easier than it is. But I promise you, we put in the work, you know, we put in the work when no one's watching, when you and I aren't recording, we're doing all the and, little things. And I can tell to you, understand we've had the buy box. conversations yeah. where it's where it's like, Oh my gosh, this week, like I put out these three fires. Like oh, you, yeah. you're, yeah, you're you put in the work. black eyes. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Which is part of the, it's part of the process. Part of the process. Yeah. It's not sexy. It's not fun. It's not glamorous, but if you want to, see results and get results and create that cash flow, create that freedom and experience those wins. You have to put in the work and it's, and you know, it may not be fun and it may go, you may go several months, weeks, years, you know, whatever the time frame is without seeing results. But if you stick to it, good things are going to happen. If you follow up, if you are diligent with your underwriting and you're clear with your communication and you, and you take action quickly, you know, good things are going to happen because just because most people are not doing that. Most people are not doing those little things you know, in those details and those nuances. Most people just show up and say, I want something to expect, you know, heaven to rain down cash or opportunity. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. And so if you do the, if you do the details, you know, good things will happen just because the sheer numbers are most people are not going to do it. And so you're going to separate yourself by doing those little things. And I really want everyone out there to apply that and, and, you know, try and prove me wrong. Show me that you've done that for several years and that nothing good has happened. And I'd love to, I'd love to hear that because I just don't see that. When people apply themselves and do that, that system and that process, good things happen and you're going to see results. Terrence, and it's really life-changing. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I think that's a perfect note to end yeah. on. Um, so, I mean, th this was phenomenal. And you know, just as like a, a plug to future things as well, like what we are doing right now with this discussion we're having is really trying to hone in the format we're doing for the the new bigger pocket show we're doing which is that's the, right 
the tribe of multifamily tribe mentors. of multifamily mentors. Right Let's go. Um, so we've recorded one. We got a bunch more recording up, but it's really going to be a, a cool new show. We're doing right. on bigger pockets and really focusing on just the deals and relating that to like the bigger picture I've been talking about. So if you guys really like the bigger stuff, the scalability, the multifamily, make sure you check out that show. It should be launching April-ish timeframe that we're penciling. Yeah, end of March, first of April. Oh, you know, we're gonna have we're gonna have Q and A live Q and A's with all these guests that are flying in from around the country. They're super talented in wow. different aspects of multifamily, either from construction, property management. You know, being an operator, being in the financing side, broker side. I mean, we're gonna have some really great conversations. We're gonna have live Q and A's on YouTube, and then the episodes will release sometime in March and April. And I'm really excited about. It. I think we're gonna have incredible. You know, we've already had some great guests. It's just gonna get better. The energy that we have in the in the new studio is really phenomenal. And I think we're gonna have some awesome content that we're putting gonna be putting out here shortly. Agree, yeah. Terrence. Thanks so much, man. That was great.